1: Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Perfectly Good Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that is counting down every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. I am one of your hosts, Jesse Jackson. Joining me, as always, is my sister in all things Hyatt, Sylvan Groth. Sylvan, welcome.
0: Lovely. As always, Jesse.
1: Yeah. And-
0: yeah going way back in the time machine this time
1: we are we are still in the d's and it is hard we've been doing this we talked about it all o- over a year i think now right
0: mm-hmm. and, and
1: and we're just on the d's <laughs> yeah uh, yeah
0: when i run into people and talk about that i just love this musician i'm john hyatt and of course you get the question who's that blah, yeah. Blah. oh yeah and i do a podcast they were going through the whole catalog. Oh, oh! so that's going to be a couple of months? Mm, no.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. One of the ways JB and Rob were able to do it is they did three episodes at a time. And and then for a while though they were releasing two episodes a week, right? So they were doing Tuesdays and Thursdays to get through the catalog faster. Just with everything else going with us, I like our pace. Yeah. And, yeah, and I like the idea that everyone on Monday gets a new episode and... I love reading everyone's comments and thoughts and their discussion with us about, no, you guys were too hard on this one, or you guys were too easy. So yeah, I like. Or
0: you missed a crucial fact that we actually just breezed over, which is absolutely fair. And that was a little bit of a thank you to Jamie Rogers. Thank you always for all the listening and all the good work that you do as an admin on the John Hyatt Facebook page. But it really did actually mean a lot to me that he, added a correction to down around my place and i I think that was great
1: i do too uh today we are talking down in front a john hyatt song not what you are screaming to the person at the concert that everyone else is sitting down and that one is up going yes so you got some just the facts for this one
0: I have very few just the facts, but here they are. This is track number two on a little album called Two Bit Monsters. It happens to be the fourth that we've discussed from that album because they are a little front loaded alphabetically. And as a disclaimer, as we're talking about how long this is going to take, if John could backload the alphabetical song titles on any future releases, that would really help us out a lot. We appreciate that the album from 1980 was front loaded with D songs. That's really very helpful. It was produced by Denny Bruce and John Hyatt. So this was actually his first foray into being a record producer. I'm not exactly sure what that entailed because in the 2000s, he talked about actually wiggling knobs and so forth as if he had never done that before. So it could have just been a little bit of associate producer credit, which is a line from State and Maine, one of my favorite movies. The Album featured musicians Howard Howard Epstein on bass, who, of course, was known as one of the heartbreakers for Tom Petty, Shane Kirster on piano, and Daryl Vodusko on drums. And that's about it I've got for Just the Facts, because try as I might, scouring the internet, I did not find a single cover or even a live version, although I'm sure back in those early 80 days, they played this plenty.
1: Yeah, but back then, there was not the cell phone videos that you could do Uh, yeah yeah this is so lynn and i started dating in 1980 so this what month did it come out did it does it say Uh, i don't think i do
0: know that okay yeah and unfortunately we were not Uh, Hanging out at the record store in 1980 because I was too busy watching Sesame Street.
1: Yeah, it is. Wikipedia says release 1980. Did not give us a date. Yeah, it. I think the most significant of is this includes it hasn't happened yet, Mm -hmm. which is significant for other reasons. So, yeah, we're going to take a small break. We're gonna come back we're gonna talk about this early song and i think we're gonna have fun so be right back
2: hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them
1: Um, young man John Hyatt yes. uh, you look at the album cover he's got a lit cigarette in his mouth he has the staring eyes this is definitely uh, I feel like there's a chip on his shoulder and I'm going to be let's get out here and sing some heavy rock and roll
0: and Mike Elliott talks about a very tense recording situation that the there was not a lot of love in the studio between John and the producer. And it was miraculous that they were able to come up with all 34 minutes of these 11 tracks, which is also a sign of the times of what it used to be like to get an album out.
1: Yeah, and it's 11 and it's so... They're not going over three minutes very much mm-hmm. on average. These tracks are short and it's get in, get out, get in, sing, get out. I will tell you though, I, I have a little bit of nostalgia for this era. And I think it's because this is when I first were listening to him slug line, then two bit monsters, because Rick and Linda liking him so much and I'm trying to I'm trying to win Linda's heart so I'm trying (laughs) to learn the things she likes so when we started playing this for our class for this our discussion really I gotta tell you I enjoyed hearing this I I don't know and, and I'm still debating my rating but there is Musically, there's a little something here for me. And the staccato music background, I think, is very new wave you talked about before we hit record. And it has that feeling. And then when he has a bridge where they slow that down, I think there's something here. What are your thoughts?
0: You're right. It is a very particular sound. And it's not overly popish. I do think John was being true to his rock sensibility and not being um, colored by the time he had spent in Nashville. I I think at this point he had uh, rolled out into California. But, and you're talking about being familiar with it when it first came out. This was one of those albums that, I had to scour and find. And when it was probably very early 90s, I was able to get my hands on a copy of Two Bit Monsters. I was the annoying nerd that wanted to know everything about John Hyatt because I had become the John Hyatt fan and I was going to be the number one John Hyatt fan. Gosh darn it. And I was determined to love it. And I was determined to feel like it was something special because not every John Hyatt fan had this album. And I was going to like unlock the secrets of his back catalog and have that deeper knowledge. All being said, it was one of those CDs that did not have the lyrics printed. And when I was first listening to it, I did not have the ability to go onto the internet because there was no internet as it is now where you could quickly find the lyrics, I am sure that the first years I was singing along with this, I was singing something that was not coming out of John's mouth because it's not yeah. really yeah. easy to hear. And all of that does change my experience of it because it feels like a little bit of disconnect. Okay. So, yeah,
1: I remember that when I went through my, discovering of the beach boys Mm -hmm. i did a similar thing right i had bought endless summer i had played that eight track to show you how old i am and so i started scouring uh everything i could find and i remember when i got pet sounds i couldn't stand it because (laughs) it didn't sound like the beach boys right it wasn't about surf it wasn't about cars it did not have that um the lush the feeling of that fun and and then only later as i started listening to it my ears adapted to listening to what was being played and not what i thought i was going to hear um as someone who uh, remind me your first the first album that i i I should Um, know this but i'm trying to yeah
0: uh the first one that we know that my aunt and uncle played for us was warming up to the ice age okay but the first one that i know was in the car as mom and i were driving around was bring the family
1: okay yeah this is very different than that
0: yes it is yeah
1: young sylvan what went to see star trek the motion picture and I remember that this was, it was a different kind of movie. It was a different uh-huh. kind of Star Trek. And you could almost feel, don't say bad about it. Don't say bad about it. You can't not like this. It's Star Trek. What you There's this boring sequences where they go to see Viger and everything. But no, it's Star Trek. You have to like this. Was there yeah. any of that with you? I was
0: actually reflecting on our talk with Nick Brown, and him talking about when he discovered John imagining a father figure and so forth. And I think, especially because of the age I was at that time that I was really getting into John, it was a little bit of a father figure. And he's remained a father figure, if I'm yeah. being a perfectly honest in my life. When I heard about him being hurt, it, it was awful. Yeah. And it was especially awful that... I could not personally say to him, what can I do to make this better? I, right. we, we have this podcast and of course we all send our good wishes and I am getting to a point in all this that what it was like for me was actually finding your parents yearbook and seeing the embarrassing clothes that they wore in high school or that awkward phase before they were the responsible and loving adult that we get and bring the family. And it did, it made me love him more because it made him relatable and all this anger and angst and I'm so clever, I'm going to have irony up the every stanza and every line yeah, I was writing really bad poetry in high school too. And he was he didn't graduate from high school. This is he's still in his early twenties. But to me it was a revelation of this is what John was like when he was growing up and becoming the person that wrote the recovery trilogy. Okay. And it's not a recovery trilogy if you're not recovering from something. Yes. I did find it really interesting. I wouldn't necessarily have wanted to listen to it for 40 years, but yeah, it's a piece of the puzzle and I do love it.
1: Okay, good. All right. Do you want me to start? Please do. Okay. So pulled from the archives. I spent so much time trying to learn all your languages. I got nothing to say. It's all cheap, talk, and kind and a matter of time. Some Fool Gets His Way. (laughs) I'll just stop there. As we talked about, it's this staccato music behind. And at first, I'm not sure what he is trying to say. he got nothing to say. And then I'll keep going down on his knees. He says, I got this feeling that you're not that kind of girl. No one knows better as he takes off your sweater. Just what he means when he's promised you the world. So... Then all of a sudden I go, oh, wait a minute. Is this an early version of She Loves the Jerk?
0: I'm thinking it's an early version of Take Off Your Uniform, which is actually, I think, the album before this. Okay, But he talks a lot about seeing the world through growing up with a lot of sisters. And there was no Me Too in 1980. There wasn't even a working girl in 1980 that was later in that decade. Yeah. So when John of this era talks about take off your uniform or him taking off your sweater, especially if, as I said, I want to see him as a parental figure, that could be a bit of an ick factor. But I think what he's acknowledging is that there is something wrong with men seeing women in that way and i think when i really like this song he is talking about trying to find your authentic self and your value and having a lot of compassion for how much more difficult it is for a woman in the world than for a man of that era and I don't want to turn this into a battle of the sexes. So far, we're a year into this project and we haven't had many of those kind of discussions, Jesse. But I, I do think there's a little bit of that here.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. And now I don't I don't get the chorus. Down mm-hmm. in front, that's all they want. Just two square inches. He's a snake in britches. So I, I get that he is talking about someone who is as you said not being very respectful to women possibly uh someone who's as he said he's a snake he's a jerk but why down in front do you have any theory
0: i have pondered this since i first got my little pause on the cd i think it really is about of voyeurism and that I'm not sure how it relates to the two square inches, but it's about objectifying people and the idea of, like we were saying, a down in front in an audience is sitting down. And that's all I can think of is someone sitting beneath someone. You can even think of it as like a stripper pole or something like that. And yeah, and... There's also just the idea of debasing and lowering oneself. But it's a weird thing to put into a song in such an opaque term. I could be completely off base. I Again, there wasn't a lot of press about Two-Bit Monsters. I don't even think I ever ended up finding an official press release. I think by this time, the record company had made their big push and then gave up, as they often did with John over the course of his career. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot even in Michael's book about this album. So I bet somewhere, sometime, John was on a couch explaining what he was trying to get to from this song and if either of us heard it now we'd go oh my god that makes perfect sense yeah and I understand it so much better and I like it so much better now but those are lost to history I believe
1: yeah and to go back to the first verse that down on his knees he says I got this feeling that you're not that kind of girl right this this Mm -hmm. he's talking about someone oh I absolutely know you're not someone who goes all the way on a second Mm -hmm. date And oh, no, but I promise you, I'm going to, you're going to be my girlfriend or I'm going to give you the world. And the idea that he, this person that he's calling out is just after sex. He is Mm -hmm. just wanting to use this female for his own pleasure and is, does not care anything about her. When you look at that image, this is, I, I like the way he's saying this going with the music of it but i and by the way down in front is a very the chorus is very catchy that fits the music so you want to go to the second verse
0: sure shaking your head as you lie with the enemy so much louder than words all that you felt one more notch in his belt have you heard keep going yeah You got no heart for these bullets he's loaded with. They just light up the sky. And who needs a hero when it's zero to zero? I don't know, baby. It's just an alibi. Yeah, it's probably good that I didn't spend a lot of time really looking at the words printed because the innuendo is a lot more obvious when I'm looking at them in black and white than when I've been listening to them for, oh, I don't know, like- 30 years and not quite getting all all this but yeah there's the an idea of consent happening shaking your head as you lie with the enemy so much louder than words and it sounds like that didn't quite work out because we've got bullets flying and yeah some cover-up all that going on there
1: yeah i the idea that you maybe have had self-doubt but you were convinced or you convinced yourself i want to empower this imaginary person i don't want to say that she is a victim but afterwards you're then failing that you are just one notch in his belt right this he no matter what sweet words he whispered to you you're really just another conquest and and I just you got no heart for these bullets he's loaded with, they just light up the sky. Who needs a hero when it's zero to zero up, uh, baby? It's just an alibi. I I am not sure what he's trying to say there. Any thoughts?
0: I don't want to tell myself. <laughs> Firing of the gun, maybe prematurely, let's say.
1: Okay. All right. <laughs> or maybe even just he sealed the deal and and they lit up his sky but not necessarily hers yeah Uh, yeah and and the idea who needs a hero when it's zero to zero and the whole idea is just an alibi right that
0: yeah it's zero to zero neither of us have gotten what we wanted out of this encounter and there are no winners here yeah and the idea of superman or even just the idea of the romantic hero we're all just making these connections and having some regrets i think is the subtext
1: yeah i think so too and then we get the chorus again and then you could be anyone he can't be bothered with names turn off the lights and relax it's just more of the same the idea that um we are really stressing the fact that this is a love them and leave them type guy this Mm -hmm. is just someone who focuses on one night stands and conquest and so and
0: not even worrying about getting the name right
1: yeah yeah Yeah, pretty harsh it Uh, is yeah and then we take a musical change Mm -hmm. we go from being this static to more of a almost i won't call it a modern john but is a more of a the more john we've seen at least for me musically when he says i don't say we won't hurt anymore oh i'm sorry no wonder i might drive south things went there we're going
0: what happened what the,
1: what the hell <laughs> edit that I, I do
0: think there's quite a shift from the yeah um, you can't be anyone the verses to the chorus yeah because th- there's something smooth and r and B. I i think yes. about the uh, down in front and then when he's like having these half messages it, it you almost imagine him shaking someone by the shoulders like, you can be anyone you can, who can't be bothered with names and trying to talk some sense into this girl yeah. and uh, yeah
1: so I, yeah it is like i said i think You saying it's take off your uniform. I get a little bit. She loves the jerk. Mm -hmm. But mostly this is the implication is I would treat you better than this person does, but he's not pitching. He is not pitching why he's better.
0: No. And that's a really great question actually, because Is he suggesting that he would be better or is that just the generous subtext that we want to add? Is it really more pessimistic than that, that all men are like this, including myself and all women are walking through this universe that they only want one thing and the snakes are out there and you have to defend yourself and the way that he's talking about her navigating this situation doesn't seem like she has many defenses she's just living in the snake pit and not even having someone say anything tender to her like you should be with me
1: when you think about it if we go to the chorus down in front that's all they want Yep. but then just two square inches he's a snake in britches So Mm -hmm. we have the group. That's all they want. That could be, as you're saying, all men, all are pieces of dirt (laughs) looking (laughs) things. But then he does push it on to he personalize it. He's a snake in britches. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, not me. Yeah. 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 I do not see. I, I think. Future John would have made the case on why he was a better person. Yeah. 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 Um,
0: Or I think future Don would have given some redemption to even the villain in this story. Yeah. Because I don't think he sees people as two-dimensional as either of the figures that we could see in these words. Mm -hmm. And which isn't to say that seeing people two-dimensionally for the purpose of art never has any value but it certainly is a lot more interesting when we actually care about the people and we're not judging them in the way that I think we're looking down from afar in here okay
1: good any other thoughts
0: I'm really embarrassed I'm glad. Oh, just some of the innuendo was just hitting me. And as I said, I probably started listening to this when I was nine years old and never started again. I think if I had plugged this in for the first time as a 40 year old, I would have had a very different experience with this song from listen one to the last listen.
1: I love that. We say all the time, songs change as you change. So yes. Yes. Yeah, so it's your turn to write first. Yep,
0: (sighs) I am really tempted to give it a two, because I think there's something interesting here. But in preparing for the podcast, I listened to this song and the other that we were getting ready for a lot. And my little trigger finger got really happy more than once. And I got bored more than once listening to this. So I'm going to say that it is good. And it, it does say something (laughs) I can't believe John Hyatt was saying, but it's a one-star song for me.
1: Yeah. I'm going to give it a two because I think emotional context and because it, it brings back memories of that style. It's, it is, I think it, it has a little bit of, there's a little bit of the quiet and I think musically it's fun to listen to. Yeah. This is where I would like, if we had a musician to explain, yeah, this is why he's doing this staccato and then why he switches. What's the, emo- what is the story he's trying to tell musically? But yeah, I think this is, It you sometimes an artist has to find his voice and Mm -hmm. it's interesting that often an artist will have commercial success and then people will go back to earlier releases and go wow why didn't i see this why this there there was this genius that's almost as good as this yeah and i I don't know if we've run into that on some of these pre-trilogy CDs yet, have we?
0: Oh, we'll get there.
1: Oh, yeah, Yeah. sure we will. But I don't think so far we have.
0: Yeah, the early stuff has not gotten a lot of love in terms of star ratings. But we also are really just still scratching the surface of even the early stuff. Yeah, Yeah,
1: absolutely. Okay. All right and any final thoughts forgive us
0: everybody and speaking of skipped if you happen to skip this episode come back for the next one it's going to be a good one
1: (laughs) yes i want to i don't want to give away the surprise but next week is a very special episode uh and i am thrilled i am so looking forward to next week's recording you won't want to miss it but till then um, yes Sylvan, so, thank you. This is always a blast.
0: It is. And have a little faith.
2: Have a little faith. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. come on put the cow horns back on the the on the It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.